need to know that if you come here, um, I'm always going to come up with a proverb of the day. Today being the uh, 20th, I picked actually one one proverb, but we're going to see it in two different translations because it's kind of kind of fun to see it in in two different translations. So this is Proverbs 20 verse 30 in the New King James. It says, "Blows that hurt cleanse away evil, as do stripes, the inner depths of the heart." What's that saying? Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. I think that was especially true of me as a little boy, and um, it continues to be true. Uh, Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, and we've been looking at a handful of gospel stories where people deserved something, and um, and but because of the grace of Jesus. He didn't give them what they deserved. He, t- today I want to talk about something that I think probably all of us at some point in our lives experience, and that's rejection. And um, it's, that's one of the absolute worst things to feel ever, you know, to be overlooked, rejected, to, to be left out. And how many of you would say, yeah, I've, I've felt rejected before, and it's a terrible feeling, right? I mean, it's just really, really bad. And, and it can happen... When you're little and you, you don't have to be grown up to feel rejected, it, it really can start really early in childhood. You know, we probably experienced it. Two, two people, two guys or two girls are picking up teams, picking teams from the crowd, you know, choosing sides, and they take turns. And, of course, they pick all the great athletes first, and, uh, and then they keep going down, and pretty soon it's down to nobody's left but you. And so you automatically go to a team that you weren't even picked for. It's a terrible feeling um, to be the last one. You're just like the biggest loser. Or, or you walk into the, 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 the cafeteria at school. You've got your lunch. They don't let you sit at the cool kids' table because that banana in there has gone past yellow, past black, to who knows what that ooze is that's coming out of there. And the tuna fish smells. So you don't get to sit at the cool kids' table. You don't even get to sit at the almost cool kid's table. There's a slums over there for you. And um, um, so you sit over there by yourself and you feel rejected, terrible. And, uh, or maybe you remember these notes that would get passed in the cafeteria or study hall. Um, you'd write it like this, dear, fill in the girl's name. Will you go with me? Check mark, box yes, box no, please return. <laughs> and, you know, if you'd send one of those and it would say yes when it came back through however many hands, yeah! And then three days later, a note arrives. We're no, no longer going together and you feel rejected. <laughs> you weren't actually going anywhere in the first place, so you don't really know what going together really means. But you feel, you know, devastated. And, um, you know, I mean, and today it, it gets worse because we can statistically with technology prove how rejected we are, okay? So if you are a um, Twitterer or someone like that, you can actually count the number of followers that you don't have, that your friends have, or the number of likes they get on Facebook. I mean, you can statistically measure now how much less valued it seems like we feel we are. And, um, or you can be, you know, you see it on Instagram, all your friends are at Red Robin having a hamburger and nobody even bothered to tell you, hey, we're going to Red Robin's. And you feel like, you know, what's wrong with me, you know? You might check your back pocket for an old tuna fish sandwich, you know? Uh, but there's, there's something in... And so, so and even, even text messaging in our culture, 
There are rules that are not, not written down anywhere, but we have text message response rules that are implied in our culture. It's like, okay, so if I text you, and um, it takes you three days to respond to me, you have just sent me a very clear message about where we are in the text message response cycle. I mean, I, mean, I would say, hey, wait a minute, I thought we were even at least in the 24-hour text response window. What's the deal with three days? Or, you know, maybe you send something to somebody and you expect to get a response within an hour and it takes longer than that. And you think, I thought we were one-hour responders. What happened to our relationship? But the worst thing is that you send a text. I owe you a text, Mom? Thanks for those pictures, by the way. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> okay, so, but, okay, the other worst thing besides that worst thing is when you send a text and then you look at your phone and you see the little bubbles. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a little cloud. Oh, good, they're, they're looking at it. I can expect, you know, and it stays there and it stays there. And think, wait a second, come on. Come on! Where's my answer? And then it goes blank. And I'm saying, wait a minute, hold on a minute. I saw the bubbles. Give me my response. Where are my bubbles? You bubbled me. I don't really know what that means. I just know that, you know, I thought that we were bubble commitment friends, okay? And then I saw those things. And, you know, those, I can make fun of those things, but in adulthood, the rejection can actually get down in deep into our souls, and it can really, really hurt. You know, you, you're applying for a job somewhere, and you're pretty certain that you meet good quality. I mean, everything that's being said to you sounds good. You think, you know, I'm going to get this job, but then after the interview, they just reject you. They don't say we reject you. I used to be a, an employment interviewer a long time ago, and they trained you how to reject people politely. You know, Eric, I appreciate you taking the time to come in, but I just need to tell you that you're just not the right match for our position. How'd that sound? Pretty good? <laughs> you feel still rejected. We don't know what a match is. I know you just rejected me. Or, or maybe your friends are dating, and um, you're happy for them that they're in those relationships, but you're not in one. And you think, and I just, you know, or, or maybe on the outside, your marriage... You know, it really seems, it looks really good on the outside. But one day you wake up and it's really just not all that good. Maybe she's looking around or something or, you know, something's going on and your marriage is going south. Or here's another one that I watch a couple of relationships, or just one relationship removed, and I watch this going on in a person's, a, a, a friend's life who her own children don't want anything to do with her. They won't return her calls. It breaks her heart. She feels terrible. And there are really very few emotions worse than being overlooked, left out, rejected. Today I want to talk to you about a guy who was absolutely and completely 100% deserved to be rejected. Okay, And um, we're going to see this story where Jesus didn't give this guy what he deserved. Instead, he gives him... Um, grace, and uh, Jesus gave him something else. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 19, and we're going to read here, and this is a story about a guy named Zacchaeus. Now, I want to say in advance, I want to thank Lisa for sharing her complete Bible uh, research library with me, um, partly which included these really cool little books. They're childhood books that her grandmother gave her, and um, 
I'm going to show you some of the artwork. Now, I love these. Um, I'm, not, I don't mean to, I'm not making fun of them, but they're kind of fun to put up because they are from an era when she was a little girl and her grandmother gave these to her before she was a Christian. Before Lisa was a Christian, her grandmother gave her these little Bible story books that taught these principles of God's love. And although she wasn't a Christian at the time, they planted these seeds. So I want to say to you grandmothers and you mothers and you great-grandmothers and grandfathers, keep turning over that soil. You keep keeping the soil soft. When you, if you are given a, an opportunity by the Lord to, to soften the soil in the heart of any little person, turn that soil over gently and just keep it soft so that over time it doesn't turn into cement. And then at the right moment, the Lord will say, Lisa, come on, you're my little girl. I want to save you, and they'll respond. So anyway, these, are, these come from, I'm, I make fun of Lisa's little library. This, this is really, really cool little books. But um, the first, first is a picture from um, something called Zacchaeus the Little Man. Okay, so many of you have heard the story, but here's Zacchaeus. He's obviously up in a tree. That's going to make a little more sense. But I want to start out, and let's let, let's let Luke um, bring some of the grace of Jesus alive for us here. Luke chapter 19, starting in verses 1 and 2. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Now, Luke describes him in two ways. He says, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, this guy, Zacchaeus, was absolutely and completely hated in his community. He was probably the most hated guy. I don't know that for certain, but it's, I mean, it's probability he was really, really the most hated guy. And, and, and here's a couple of reasons why. In order to become a tax collector, you actually had to bribe another tax collector to get the job. So to become a tax collector, you had to kind of be corrupt to begin with. So he's got some character issues. And the second thing is this. You, when you'd collect these taxes, you'd be collecting taxes that were owed to the Roman government. And um, so anything that you could collect above that amount, you get to keep. Okay, so you got a corrupt guy with authority over the people. And so imagine, you know, you're this widow, and he comes and he says, uh, excuse me, but um, your taxes are due. And he's done the calculations, and he thinks, you owe the Roman government $100, but he says to you, um, your taxes are due, and it's $150, $150. Now, she's got no way to dispute this. There's no appeals to the IRS. There's nothing. There's no tax judges. It's like, you owe this, fork it over. 150 bucks. So he takes 150, gives 100 to the Romans, keeps 50 for himself. You can imagine how much this guy's hated. These people that would do this, they, they, they would do this. And, and it actually, you know, it gets, actually gets worse than this because he was this Jewish man. He's collecting money for the Roman government. He's getting rich by cheating his own people out of their money. So while he's uh, committing. Basically, we're going to call this treason. You know, he's, he's collaborating with the Romans, and he's oppressing his own people, betraying them. And uh, so top, it all of that, top off all of that now, he's not just a tax collector. He's the chief tax collector. So he not only gets a cut out of what he gets from you, but all of the other tax collectors, they're bumping some money up to him. He gets a piece of their action, too. This guy's got it going on. He's just, he's, <laughs> he was so despised, so hated, that he was actually not allowed to worship with the other worshipers. This guy's an outcast. He is rejected. 
And the thing is, you might look at this guy, if you didn't know all this about him, you might look at him on the outside and go, hey, this guy's got it going on. You know, he's, he's got so much money. He's got a nice house on a hill. He's got money. He's got an infinity pool. He's got that big screen TV. He's got, you know, a, he drives a Ferrari. He's got, he's, got, he's got all this stuff going on. But frankly, there is not enough money in the world to make up for the fact that he's alone. He doesn't have relationships. We talked last, last week about J. Paul Getty and how he said you know, he would have traded his whole fortune for one marriage that worked. And here's, here's you know, Zacchaeus. He's, he's got no human interaction that's meaningful, no intimacy, no friendships, no relationships. And I can't tell you this or prove this from the text, but I can tell you that, that and I, I, by, by human nature, I promise you, this guy was hurting. He's hurting. He's feeling rejected. He's left out. He's hated. He's despised. And, and, and maybe people were making negative comments about him because he just, everybody hated him. He's despised and rejected. And that gets really lonely. And people would see his trappings of success. They would see um, you know, all this stuff, and, and, and they would have no idea necessarily about how much he was hurting on the inside. And that very same thing happens today, doesn't it? I mean, people will, maybe they'll look at you and they'll see you one way and they'll think that you've got it pretty much covered, it's all going on, but, but uh, they have no idea how you're hurting on the inside. And in that very same way, you might be thinking about, you know, looking around at the people next to you, and, you know, they've got this awesome marriage going on, and they're holding hands, and they actually look like they like each other, and, you know, and, uh, but nobody really knows that maybe they're just putting on this show because there's really no longer any intimacy in their marriage. Or it could be for you that people look at you and say, you know, you, you've got so many Facebook friends, you've got so many followers on Pinterest, and... The truth is that you really don't even like yourself. You know, you're creating this image that isn't real and you feel disconnected and you feel alone. Or maybe some people look at you and, and they think, you know, you are so spiritual. You're so close to God. And, and scripture seems to flow out of your mouth. I mean, you just quoted a scripture from Nahum. Nahum. Is that a real book in the Bible you want to ask? Because I, I don't even know. I can't even for sure tell you're not pulling my leg and you didn't make that up. And the answer is, yeah, Nahum's right next to Habakkuk. Well, I can't even... Nahum, Habakkuk, and you know, you're so spiritual. But the truth is that maybe at this moment you're in the middle of a, of a real spiritual crisis. And you're trying to worship, but God feels distant to you. And, and you have questions and you're hurting and, and, and you feel maybe spiritually alone. Chances are, I think, really, really good that Zacchaeus was wrestling with some of this kind of stuff. And he had all the bling. He had all the stuff going on. But he didn't have any relationships. And because of this, I believe he had some real spiritual curiosity. Okay? And um, so we can read about this. It goes on in verse 3. Luke tells us this. He says, Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Okay, poor Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus, and he was trying. He was trying, so he wanted to see over the crowd. Now, if you grew up in Sunday school, which I did not, but I told a few people I was going to teach about Zacchaeus, and I kept hearing 
from these different people. Well, you know there's a song, right? There's a song, right? Okay, I don't know the song. Does anybody here know the song that would be willing to share it with us? <laughs> oh, I see. The, oh, if you go with me. Oh, help. Somebody help me. Where's the microphone? You are a pal. You, you, don't, you don't have to embarrass yourself. Or you just... <laughs> Okay. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior walked this way, his way, and Zacchaeus, no, Jesus said, Come down right now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Do, Do you have any more of those treats? You know what? I, I really feel like you have earned an ice cream cone. <laughs> and Patty, sitting in the back row, hiding over there, but knowing the song. Well done. <laughs> and so, okay, so we have this song about Zacchaeus. And um, the song is about probably a topic about which he was probably sensitive. He couldn't see because he was, he was short. And so he climbed up in a tree. And um, um, we, we, we should know that, that kids can be cruel because he was, he was also probably rejected when he was young. I mean, and now as an adult, he is massively being rejected. Okay, he's, he's a tax collector. He's despised. He, children are probably taught, you know, you don't like this guy. Don't trust him. Don't go near him. Don't talk to him. And he's hurting. He's hurting on the inside. And when you are hurting, and when you're feeling rejected by people, you really have got two choices. First choice is you can run to people seeking their validation and their approval. Hey, please, like me, approve me. Or you can do what Zacchaeus did, and that's run to Jesus instead. And watch what happens in uh, Luke verse 4. So, um, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, these are interesting details that the Holy Spirit tucks in here, the fact that he ran and he climbed. The reason they're interesting is because you know, he, he ran and he climbed. These are two things that no self-respecting Jewish man would be seen doing. Okay, I mean, you, they would never run. They would never climb. Climbing in a tree is basically something that a slave would do. It was just considered undignified. And, and with their flowing robes, if they ran, they might expose their legs, which would be, it wouldn't be dignified. So a, a, a self-respecting would never do those two things. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting, when Jesus tells the story in, um, in Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son, you remember the story where the son wanted his inheritance, so he takes off, he squanders it, and his father in that story represents, represents God the Father, right? Okay, you all knew that. Right? Okay. Listen, when you get to heaven, you have got to be able to tell God that you knew that in that prodigal son story that the father represents God the Father. So I'm telling you that. Are you with me on this? Okay, I need, I, I need you to be with me on this. So this is okay. So so Jesus is telling this story, and in the story, the father runs out to meet his son. The Father represents God in heaven. And, and, and culturally, the people, when Jesus is telling that story, the Jews are going, are you telling us that God ran out 
This undignified, yes, Jesus is saying, God cares less about dignity than the love that he has for his ones, for his little ones. So there's another example of, of how unusual it was for, for this guy to run. And, and Zacchaeus runs, and, and that's exactly what he does. Same, same as the father in that story. He, says he, he runs, even though it's undignified, and he climbs, even though no self-respecting person would do that. Why? Because he wanted to see Jesus for himself. He wanted to make that co- contact, that connection. And, 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 and I would think, too, that Zacchaeus probably had heard about another guy named Matthew, who you've heard of, who was a tax collector just like Zacchaeus, another tax collector. And he probably had heard that Jesus had had relationship. In fact, not only had Jesus accepted this Matthew, this other tax collector, but he said, hey, why don't you come be a joint, join on my leadership team? Come with me, follow, be, 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 be my friend. So, wanting that kind of thing, I believe Zacchaeus does, he runs and he climbs. There's also a story in scriptures about a woman who had had this problem for 12 years, an issue of blood, and then she's in the crowd, and she pressed through to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, seeking healing. She pushed through this issue that happened that was way out of social appropriateness for a woman to do this. She presses through just to grab, and, and beyond anyone else, she's pushing There's another story in Scripture where these four guys wanted their friend to get in the presence of Jesus because he needed a healing, and they couldn't because of the crowd. So they climbed up on a roof, and they opened the roof. They dug through the roof and lowered him through the roof. And I just am here to say that to somebody here, I don't don't know who you are. Sometimes you need to reach for Jesus. Sometimes you need to run for Jesus. You need to climb, you need to dig through, you need to press through. And I don't know who I'm here talking to at this moment, but I just know as I was studying this that I just had a sense that there are people here that are allowing obstacles to stop them from reaching to Jesus. Some doubt or some insecurity or, or fear. And you've got to climb over that fear. You have to, you have to run through that doubt. You have to dig through those insecurities and those fears sometimes and press through to get to the Savior. There's somebody here who you've just been for too long now passive, passive about Jesus. And you need to reach, reach out to him. And here's the good news. Scripture makes some promises about this. It says, when you seek him, you will find him. It doesn't say you might or you're on your own. It says, if you seek Jesus, you will find him. Scripture found, promise found in several places, Deuteronomy, Jeremiah. And, 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 and so I just want to say for, for, for somebody today, I don't, I don't know who, today is the, is the time, it is your day to do this. Today. Reach, do whatever, just like, just like Zacchaeus. And in fact, that's, what we see in verse 5, we continue here, Zacchaeus runs and he climbs up in the tree. Um, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him. There's a guy in that tree. <laughs> you know? And he says, Zacchaeus. Now, notice that Jesus calls him by his name. He says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. And then Jesus shocks everybody in this culture <laughs> with something they thought they would never hear. He says, I must stay at your house tonight. 
Wow. Jesus calls, and here's the reference from Lisa's library in case you want to see what this scene looked like. Um, I love the artwork in these old, this is really cool. Um, I love how that just kind of gets down in the, in the soul of a little girl. And uh, so I, I hope you catch from this, though, that Jesus calls him by name. You need to understand that the good shepherd knows your name. And um, I think spiritually speaking, some of you, you may only hear Jesus call your name today. And that's all. But he's calling you. If he's calling you, he's calling to draw you to himself. He calls Zacchaeus by name. Now, Zacchaeus may not have heard that a whole lot, you know, people calling him by his actual name. They may have had other, other names for him, none of which I will say in church. But, I mean, they, they, he probably hadn't heard that very often. And, and his name is significant here. Zacchaeus is a Greek translation of a Hebrew named Zacchaeus. Zakay literally means pure. It means clean. It means righteous. <laughs> I'm, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that the widows in this community weren't saying, hey, hey, righteous one, come and take my money. Um, but Jesus calls him righteous one. Not what he already was, but what he was becoming. Jesus calls him that. Righteous one, come down here. I got to hang out with you today. Now put yourself in this crowd You've been hearing about this Jesus guy, and so you're trying to see for yourself. You know, you've heard that he raised people from the dead. He's been healing people. He's, he's, just, he's just got massive wisdom. He might possibly be the Savior mentioned in Scripture. He might be the anointed one. He could possibly be. But you're thinking, you know, then he goes to the most hated guy in town. He says, hey, I'm going to come over to your house tonight. Maybe we could have dinner, and then afterwards we can watch Dancing with the Stars together. And you're thinking, oh, Jesus, no self-respecting man watches Dancing with the Stars. That's terrible TV. <laughs> Boy, I picked the wrong battle in this crowd, I could tell. All of you men who like Dancing with the Stars, turn in your man cards right now. Hand them over. <laughs> I'm... That has nothing to do with God. Okay, so. But you're thinking, wait a second. Jesus, maybe you don't really know this guy. He's bad news. He's pathetic. You know, why are you going to hang out with him? I mean, I go to church. I go to church every week. I serve. I don't just serve. I serve in the nursery. They poop. I, I, I tithe, and not only God do I tithe, but sometimes I give offerings beyond the tithe. I mean, I'm, what's wrong with, why are you not, why him? And, you know, here's the thing. Jesus doesn't go to his faithful crowd and say, hey, I know you won't understand this, but trust me and go with this. He doesn't, ha- he doesn't take the time to do that. He expects them to understand something else. And he kind of expects us to understand it because he, he, he ignores this crowd and he goes right straight for the guy who has the biggest problems. This is guy. And why does he do that? Because that is exactly who he came for. People with problems. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for sinners. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. He goes for the most unhealthy 
unrighteous sinner in the whole group. And he says, come on, let's, let's, can I hang out with you? So Zacchaeus comes down at once, Luke 19, verses 6 and 7. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. <laughs> mutter, 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 so they're muttering. He's <laughs> so he's gone to be the he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. They're saying, and what they were muttering was exactly right. They were right. He's it's shocking. It's scandalous. It's beyond their ability to to comprehend, and ours to some degree. Because this Zacchaeus dude, he's absolutely and completely, he deserves rejection. He deserved it. He's abusing people. He's, he's hated. He's committing treason. He's just a bad news, you know. He's the worst of the worst. But Jesus doesn't give him what he deserves. Just like when we turn to Jesus, Jesus doesn't give us what we deserve. There's a theologian from the 1800s, a guy named D.L. Moody. And uh, isn't it interesting to read a lot of his commentaries? And I, I look at his stuff occasionally. And, and back in his day, there was this controversy. It still exists today. There's always the- theological controversy. But there was this controversy about the question, how long does it take a person to be saved? Now, they used the word converted in many instances. And, and a lot of faiths would still want to teach that um, it takes a long time. You know, it's a, it's a matter of time and growth. And um, I think time and growth is important for all Christians. But the issue of salvation, so, so, so Moody asked the question, you know, how long did it take Zacchaeus to be saved? I mean, I would ask you the same question about something we talked about a couple weeks ago. How long did it take the, other, the thief on the cross to get saved? It didn't take very long. He didn't have any time to grow. <laughs> he was headed for the end. And um, so, I mean, I think Jesus saved Zacchaeus in the time it took for him to get from the limb to the ground. Amen. Jesus changed his life. And Now, for you nerds, okay, I'm not calling you all nerds, but for us nerds that are sitting in the room hiding our nerdsness, okay, this is where I get in trouble. I'm supposed to be in my study planning on these, you know, working through the studies. And I go off on these rabbit trails. And I start thinking, well, how long does it take to fall 10 feet? And, you know, there's this calculation. It's actually 32 feet per second per second is the rate of acceleration of him falling and bouncing, I think, on the ground. So for those of you who are nerds, that's how long it takes to get saved. Not very long. If you're 10 feet up on a limb, it's less than 7 tenths of a second. Okay, just, just saying. Um, <laughs> take that down. It's okay, done with the nerds now. Okay, so in the distance from the limb to the ground, Jesus totally transforms this man, transforms him. And I think that there are people here, and the Holy Spirit might be speaking some things to you in this moment. And in just mere fractions of a second, you can be totally and completely transformed by the power and the love of Jesus Christ. I don't care how bad you are. I don't care how far your friends think you are from God. 
If I could snap my fingers, it's that long. It's that long. From the limb to the ground, you can be transformed by the power and by the grace and by the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we see immediate evidence of this transformation in Zacchaeus' life. You know, Jesus says, hey, come on down. Party's at your house. And before the party starts, Zacchaeus says, you know, I've got an announcement to make to everybody. And, and, and here's what he says, verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Wait a minute. This is a guy who worships money. We saw it in the picture, right? He worships money. He says, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll give them back four times the amount. Boom! In just seconds, this guy has transformed. He's become this generous guy who wants to make wrongs right. Why do he do this? I mean, what's going on here? Well, I know this. He didn't do it to get the approval of Jesus. He'd already been approved. That's good. Jesus had already said, hey, come on, let's hang together. Stick with me. We don't do good things to win God's approval. We do those things because he's already approved of us. And when you recognize that, that you do not deserve, we just don't deserve it, yet he gives extravagant love to us, the only reasonable response for extravagant love is an extravagant sacrifice. And that's where you say, Lord, I give you back my whole life. I give you everything. And what Zacchaeus does here is so much more than the law requires. I mean, what the law said was that if you were a, you know, a benevolent Jewish person would set aside 20% of his income to give to the needy. 20%. Now, those of you that hear 10% for tithing and you feel like, oh, that's too much, that's, that's a baby step. This guy's at 20%. That's what the normal is. But that's not where he goes. He says he's going to give half, 50% of everything he has to the poor. And then the law says this. If you stole from someone, what the law in this circumstance, it basically said you would give back what you stole plus 20% interest. Now, if you're an Old Testament student, which I study the Old Testament too, when I read this the first time, I thought, you know, wait a second, seems like he's cheating here because there's a scripture that says, when you're caught stealing, you pay back seven times, right? But the scripture also says that if you confess, you pay back what you stole plus 20%. He's he's not caught here. He's confessing. He's saying, I got to get this right. But instead of giving 120% back, he says, I'm going, to give four, I'm going to give 400. He's going way, way, way above and beyond the law here. This guy's radically changed. Now, why did he go so far over the top? I mean, I, I believe it's because he was not motivated by the law. He, for the first time in his life, was being motivated by love. And that's an extravagant response to God's extravagant love. <laughs> And that's what happens when you are truly and genuinely transformed by Jesus. And it's not all that uncommon for us to see that. You know, I've been in ministry long enough that I've seen some people, um, you know, I've seen people do these things that just are so uncommon. I've seen people, one guy I know who, 
got saved and looked in his rearview mirror um, of his life and had recently broken some laws and gotten away with it and would never be caught, never be proved. But he carried it with him, this sense of guilt. What are you going to do? I got to go turn myself in. Take care of business. Do what you believe the Lord is. And he went and turned himself in and went to jail. Because why? He's been transformed by the grace of Jesus and felt compelled to do the right thing. I've known successful business people who have gotten saved and... and, um, understood scripture as they grew they go you know I, I i'm being blessed here scripture says 10 percent of this belongs to the lord so they would you know this one guy i'm thinking of gave 10 percent, and then one day he comes to me and he says you know i've um i've realized that i was a christian a long time before i understood this and that whole time i wasn't tithing <laughs> you can kind of see where this is going this is very unusual he says i went back and calculated all my income back then and here's how much i should have tithed here's a check gave the Lord this backed up unpaid tithe who does that I mean that's not even in the Bible <laughs> it's not but something in his soul said you know what I've, I've been extravagantly blessed by God I just out of love that I'm going to do this and when you've really been transformed by Jesus you start doing things that do not make sense you know you start forgiving people who don't deserve forgiveness You start loving people that other people don't seem to love. You start caring for people that other people don't seem to care about. And suddenly you're using whatever your giftings are and your resources are to help people around you. You start serving and it's because it's not your life. You really believe it belongs to God. And you do these things that don't make sense. Because extravagant love demands an extravagant response. And suddenly you're not living for the approval of people, but instead you're living from the approval of God. What a difference. And here's what happens. Um, Jesus looks to um, Zacchaeus and he says, this is verse 9. He said, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I think we should never miss the fact that he didn't come to find the found. He came for the lost. He didn't come for the righteous, but for the sinners. He, he didn't come for the healthy, but for the sick. And we, when we recognize that, our only reasonable response is to give him our whole lives. Our whole lives. Because he accepted us even when we didn't deserve it. Let's pray. Lord.